And welcome back to part two of the radio program this morning, Sacred Space 102 here on West Limerick 102, a Come and See Inspirations production here on West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose and I'm delighted to have you with us this morning. And of course, manning the controls as always this morning, we have John. Say good morning, John. Good morning, guys. This is going to be some (laughs) trip. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Now, we are delighted to have uh, some special guests joining us all the way this morning from Pennsylvania in the United States of America. Good morning, Nathan. Good morning, Evelyn. How are you doing? Good morning. Very good. Thank you. Very good. We're delighted to have you on the program with us this morning and and going out to our listeners across in West Limerick. Now, the reason we have Nathan and Evelyn on the radio program with us this morning is because we are going to ask them to introduce to us the Bruderhof community. And this has been something myself and John have been trying to get organized um, amongst ourselves, first and foremost, for quite a while. but uh, so we're delighted to have it on. So the first things first, I suppose, Nathan, I have to ask, we have to explain to our listeners, who or what is the Bruderhof? So the, our Bruderhof communities is a church community movement that began about 100 years ago in Germany. And so now we have a number of communities um, in the United States and England and Australia primarily. Mm. And you said the community came out of kind of like you're you're celebrating a centenary almost this year, aren't you? That's correct. So the the first community in in Germany began in the middle of 1920 about. Mm -hmm. So, yep, 100 years um, that God has blessed us with and and, uh, we're very grateful for that. Okay, and in terms of you know you, you said it's 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 a it's a kind of a relig- it's a faith community it's a religious community so I suppose for our, for our listeners can you kind of explain a bit more about that what does that mean to live in community as a faith community what I suppose the first question is you know um a, you know Christian community obviously um but wh- what's you know what's the basis what are the fundamental values of the community. So we do our best to live out the teachings of Jesus. We are families um, and single people, children, old people that live together. It's a lifetime commitment um, to live out the teachings of Jesus, primarily the Sermon on the Mount, but also like the early Christians, as you read in Acts 2 and 4. So we share everything in common. None of us has our own money. We don't have an income. I mean, we have a collective income, but we don't have a personal um, a bank account, each of us, mm-hmm. and um, we live together, we have our own school, uh, we worship together, and um, we just try to love each other. From, uh, I suppose, from, uh, from an Irish perspective, it sounds... It almost sounds like a like an early Christian an early Christian community we used to we would have had here in Ireland back in times of our our, our Celtic ancestors, in terms of community living together, working together, supporting each other, and all around the whole idea of that the central part of it, of course, is our faith and our faith journey. Now, looking at you know the the, the various things um, about the Bruderhof community and uh, trying to understand and learn about the Bruderhof, one of the things that jumped out to me, and you mentioned it there, Evelyn, is the idea of the community of goods and holding things in common. And I suppose in our modern world, I, you know, would it be fair to say that would be seen as being very countercultural? Yes, absolutely. I think so. Um, and again, you know, just for your listeners, 
our communities are really like a, a religious order in that we've all made lifetime vows in all the adults in the community. Mm. And, um, and in that way, um, much like any religious order. And yes, it is very countercultural. You know, we have lots of visitors or, you know, before the COVID pandemic we did, and uh, not many of them, you know, percentage wise, you know, uh, became members. Mm. Um, so yes, I think it is quite radical, but I, I do think that uh, hopefully it is, uh, our communities are an encouragement and um, an inspiration to, to anyone else who wants to follow Jesus's teachings, you know, in a radical way. Now you, you made a, you made a very, uh, an important point there. You said that it is adult members of the community that kind of make the promises or make the vows. And that's actually the important part of, 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 of the Bruderhof community, isn't it? It's absolutely important. Yes. So um, for us, we have a novitiate period and you also must be over 21. Uh, you might, you must be baptized as an adult. Um, and then uh, after a time of, of testing and discernment, uh, you can take the vows of membership if, the community feels that you're you are ready for that, mm. and it's yeah, it's, it's an important part in in technical terms. I suppose that when we when from 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 that point of view, it's a kind of it's an, an Anabaptist community. That's a community that believes that you must you can only make baptism, make promises, and accept faith as an adult. So you you don't you don't baptize the kids, right? But um, one of the first vows that you make is that you feel that you've been called to this way by God. Mm. So that's that's also an important um, part that God works in our lives. Um, he works a little different in everybody's lives, but ultimately, um, you know, we all have the same goal to live for His His kingdom and and His rule. Mm. And one of the one of the one of the things that comes across as being important as well for the community is the fact that it's um, nonviolent and 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 focused on peacemaking. Would you say that's a key part of 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 the community's outlook in terms of its interaction with kind of the external community? Absolutely, yes. Um, you know, nonviolence and forgiveness um, are such. Um, important concepts for us within our community, but it is um, something that we do try to proclaim um, as a message to, to others outside the community. For instance, we have a program that does assemblies in schools that talks about forgiveness and working out differences, you know, to try to reduce things like gang violence and, and so on in, in schools. And um, it's certainly, we feel an important part of our witness, as is our pro-life stance, which I feel, you know, goes together. Very good. And in terms of just, just coming back, Evelyn, to a point that you were making there, you know, you were saying that you don't have um, individual incomes, that everything everything goes into kind of a common purse or a common, a common pool. And I suppose for some people, they'd say, well, you know, what does that mean, Dane, in terms of, you know, if you want to buy, I don't know, some clothes or you want to get something like that for yourself. How, how does that work from a community point of view? So we have um, people who we have asked or the, the community has asked them to be responsible, say, for the food. So there's um, there are people that buy the food. And then if you need something, they can, you know, you can ask them. Same with clothing. 
Same with, um, you know, we have a fleet of cars. So mm. if, if I have a medical appointment or I would like to go and visit my grandmother or whatever it is, then I can work that out with the person who's in charge of that aspect of the community. So it's not that you have completely given up everything and you're never going to get it. It's mm. more that um, any needs are taken care of within the context of what's best for the for the community as a whole. Okay, and in terms of, um, I suppose, just 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 that a practicality. If we were to meet you, kind of walking down, you know, in the airport, as we were, you know, if I was to fly into into Pennsylvania, so to Philadelphia, or into Pittsburgh, and I was to to to, to pass you in the airport, um, would 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 I know that you were members of the community? I hope so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I wear I wear a long skirt uh, mainly for modesty and also so I don't have to think about what I'm going to wear every day. I can just get up and make breakfast and prepare for my family and my community. And um, yeah, hopefully um, more than that, you can see from our eyes and from the way that we treat you that we are followers of Jesus. Okay. And in terms of, um, I suppose, in terms of the community itself, um, you know, you, 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 uh, yourself and Nathan, you've got, you've got a couple, you've got a number of children. So uh, let me, let me see if I, if I can remember this right. So Lucas is two, Grant is four, uh, Ronan is seven, and Marlea is eight. Is that correct? Good for you. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was trying. I was trying to remember that we were having introductions before the program started. So you know, as a family, for you as a family, um, you know, so first of all, as individuals, then as a married couple, and then as a family, what is it that living in the community gives to you? Because I suppose, um, in in the world, particularly in the Western, you know, developed countries. Uh, there's very much a focus on the individual. There's very much a focus on your own personal rights and to a certain degree, our personal responsibilities. Whereas the idea of living in community and working in community very much kind of speaks to an older mindset in a, from a Western point of view, although it would be very common you know, in places in African countries or in Southeast Asia. So I suppose, as just to break that question down, so for each of you individually, what is the, what, 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 I suppose graces does giving in the community live give give to you then as a couple and then as a family yes yeah, so that is a it's a bit of an open-ended question obviously mm -hmm. yeah. um, so there's many wonderful things about living in community with brothers and sisters who've made the same uh, commitment that that we have to following Jesus together and there's many ways we can support each other but I guess you know you you asked, you know, individually, and for me, just thinking about that now, um, to live for a purpose that's much greater than myself, um, and to be reminded of that often is, I think, really important for me. And I, and I think, you know, you mentioned in our society that there's a focus on the individual and um, their freedoms and so on. And obviously, I, I think you'd agree that you know, in secular society, if someone doesn't have a faith in a larger purpose, that that often leads to, to a sense of um, depression, really, often, um, and a lack of, of purpose. And we have so much, something so much greater to live for, to be a witness to um, the kingdom of God, to how Jesus wants people to live. 
And, um, and to me, that's, that's something wonderful that living in community gives me. And Evelyn, um, what, about, what about you? My answer is very similar. Mm -hmm. um, I, at one point, um, when I was younger, I spent some time in an orphanage in India. And I felt like, you know, maybe that's where I could make a difference in the world. And um, Nathan actually spent some time in Israel doing similar work, volunteer work. And um, I realized that my own living by my own efforts um, was futile. And if I wanted to make a difference in the world, the best thing for me to do was to um, work on the, the battle of self within myself first mm -hmm. and serve people around me and give myself to something that was larger than just me on my own, doing my own thing. And you mind me asking, did the two of you marry within the Bruderhof or before? Yes, we, we both married, we married within the community. And okay. that was very um, formative and very important for us that we had a foundation of faith, the faith basis foundation for our marriage mm -hmm. before, you know, we got to know, or as we got to know each other, that it was built on, on our first, our commitment to Jesus and the commitment to the community. And then in terms of, you know, living, living as a family, I suppose the, the, what the, the, the expression that's going through my mind is that sometimes it takes a village to raise a child. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I'm thinking it, it sounds in some ways almost I wouldn't say idyllic because I don't want to kind of give people a wrong impression, but it sounds like it would be, you know, the, with the pressures that we have in terms of child minding and looking after them and all the rest of it, in terms of living in the community as a family, how does, you know, how does that work for you as a, you know, as a couple in terms of having, having your children growing up in that kind of community? Yes, it, it really is wonderful, a wonderful place to raise children. Um, and, um, it isn't idyllic, as you say, because um, you have to be ready to give up a lot of your own opinions. Mm. Um, obviously, when you when you make a lifetime commitment like we do um, to to our church, to to our community, but but for the children and, and raising children, it is wonderful. And you know, after breakfast in the morning, I take our two youngest boys out, and I I take the one to the nursery, and um, where he's with a group of other children. And I see a lot of the other dads and moms dropping off their children. And then I take my other boy, Grant, um, over to um, the kindergarten, um, which is in our school building, our elementary school building. And again, you know, you're just meeting other people on the way and, you know, dropping them off with teachers who you know and love. And, and uh, you know, I, you work with perhaps their spouse, you know, during the rest of the day. And we, I come up, up to my job, job here in the, our workshop, and then we all get together for lunch again at noon. Um, we used to have lunches communally, and that's school-aged children and older. But since the COVID pandemic, we've been having lunches at home just to reduce any chance of uh, infection, obviously. Mm. But still, just to have that, that lunch hour with, with my children is, is so great. And then to... to um, go back to work for the afternoon and then back again at five. Mm. So yes, um, it sounds idyllic and in many ways it is. Um, and we have a lot less uh, pressures, you know, money or whatever it is. But um, 
what we value the most, I think, um, we were just talking about this, is that we can teach our children to look out beyond themselves. Mm. Um, they, our children are raising chickens. Um, we've, we've raised milk cows for the community and the children have participated in helping with barn chores. Um, and that's not just for our family, but that's for others. You know, we can bake a batch of cookies for a neighbor who's having a birthday there's so many opportunities that we can um, teach our children to look out for others and in that way instill the teachings of Jesus into our children. I think that to to us is the biggest privilege Mm. that we can, that we have an environment where we can do that. And in terms of, um, I suppose, one of the things that that would, a question that would arise is, particularly when I mentioned Pennsylvania, and I I was telling a couple of my, uh, you know, friends or neighbors that, you know, we were going to have this interview with the Bruderhof on the program this week, and they were going to me, so you mean the Amish? And I was kind of going, no, I said, they're not. Uh, And it's not, you're you're a different community. You might be cousins in some respects, but your approach to the world is quite different because you do go out and participate in the world. You do engage with modern technology. You know, even some of your, you know, some of the children will go to university or, or college. Uh, isn't that the case? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Because uh, just to say, just to say to our listeners, we're going to put uh, a couple of links into the podcast uh, notes. So one is going to be um, links to the Bruderhof community, also to their publishing house, The Plough. And I'm just personally, uh, John and myself would recommend that. I have a number of books that I use from The Plough, very good. And they have a quarterly magazine, which is also available if people want to take a subscription to The Plough Quarterly. Again, comes with a highly high recommendation from the Sacred Space 102 team. And as well as that then there is a very interesting uh, website, which was uh, a project that was done by the Bruderhof community to mark their 100th anniversary, which is a, uh, what's the word? I suppose it's, it's, a, it's a photo montage. It's a, a site of day-to-day life in the different uh, Bruderhofs around the world. And it's actually, there's some fabulous, fabulous photographs in it, Nathan and Evelyn. Uh, and one thing that struck me about it was simplicity but also smiles, you know, I know everyone takes, you know, smiles when they take a picture, but it's just the happiness was very self-evident. And then, uh, John, you were saying to me, uh, you in particularly enjoyed the various YouTubes on the YouTube channel as well. Yeah, I must say now, myself and my wife, Anne, um, spent the afternoon listening to some of the YouTubes and uh, we were really thought that they were fantastic. I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about there, one of the questions that came through, I think it was from a, probably a BBC documentary, was how do how do teenagers manage to to stay calm and to, uh, and to stay focused in the community as opposed to outside? How do you find that yourselves, um, Nathan? Yeah, so that's a a good question. Our our teenagers um, are lucky; they have a a wonderful youth group here. And, um, you know, there's lots of opportunities for them. We try to um, give them, you know, a lot of activities they can do, like sports and different clubs in their, um, in the high school that we we run at one of our communities. Um, And I just think having a youth group with other kids where all the parents have made the same commitment. um, So they, it's the same values and you don't have to worry about, what your kids are being exposed to when they're in their youth, in the youth group and so on. Um, I just think that's really valuable. 
And then one, one other thing I would say is when they, when they are 18 and ready to leave the home or have another experience, they're often able to go to another community than the one their parents are on or they grew up on and go to college you know, from that community or have some type of work experience. And that's just another great uh, way that they can um, gain some independence um, without kind of being thrown into, um, you know, secular society, kind of at the, at the deep end of the pool um, mm. when they're still 18 and, and 19 years old. Now, we, of course, don't have our own teenager yet, but... Um, <laughs> You've all that fun ahead of you. <laughs> but we've been teenagers ourselves, yeah. and it's not always easy, of course, as you know. We're also just normal human beings, and there's definitely children that rebel. And there's definitely parents that don't quite manage one way or the other. Mm. Um, but ultimately, we also feel that we can't try to mold our children and make them make them do exactly it the way that we did it. You know, the world is changing. Yes, Jesus's teachings remain the same, but each generation also has to find what works for their generation in the, in the concept or in the, in the context of, of Jesus's teachings. And how are we going to live out community in this challenging time that we're in and in this challenging world? And, and none of us actually has the answer, but we do believe that step by step, the Holy Spirit leads us, you know, one, one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, radio, internet, um, how does that work within the community? Right. So with technology, um, we try to use it when, when it can be used for good. We try to look at, where is it helpful and, and where is it a distraction or, or unhelpful? And so, um, you know, we use the internet in our business and in our workplaces, but we don't typically have televisions in our homes. I don't think any family here in our community has a television in our home. And um, most of us don't have computers at home either, um, unless we need it for some, sp some specific reason. And so, those are just some examples of, of how we try to um, look at um, actually everything. It's not just information technology, but any, any material good, any, anything, and say, how can this be used for good? And is it necessary? Is it helpful? Or mm. we introduce it. Mm. Uh, I should probably explain to our listeners as well, one of the reasons why we got talking to Nathan and Evelyn is because there's a connection with West Limerick. Um, and that is, um, well, we, we just dropped a random email after the, after the Bruderhof community and Nathan was very gracious to come back to us. And he was actually, we did have a, you have a connection with Newcastle West. That's right. Yes, we, we were there um, almost 10 years ago now um, for the summer of 2011, right? Mm. And so we, yeah. Well, try we me asking, what were you doing in Newcastle West? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we were sent out from our community to see how God is, was working in Ireland. And, um, and also just to people. try to encourage people um, that we met there. And we were hosted by the Healing Streams uh, Christian Fellowship. Mm -hmm. I know them, yeah. Which is a, if you're familiar with them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. But we, yeah, we, we met 
Oh, lo- lots of people. And, you know, hopefully some of them will, will hear the show or the podcast, you know, Ron and Tom McCoy and Vicki Nash on the Tidy Towns Committee. And uh, Father Duhigg, we, we, we met several times, had wonderful chats with him and, and of course, many others. So, yeah, we have so many good memories of, of those months. Very good. Okay, I'm afraid time is against us um, and in from, for, for this part of the program. Uh, so we, we're going to have our, our, the next piece of music that we're going to have, which and you have uh, suggested that we would play um, a piece of music which is a song by the community, members of the community. Uh, does it have a particular name? What? White clouds sailing in a windy sky, I believe is. Okay, so we're 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 going to we're going to have that to just close out this this part, part two, and then uh, we'll come back to part three of the program where where Nathan and Evelyn are going to join us with a reflection on the gospel of the Sunday. So we'll see you in part two. Jesus Christ is risen, risen. 